Hey there, this is Katie Chute. I'm a coach for highly motivated professionals and leaders who wish to elevate their careers and lives. I help them unleash their potential and stand in their strength. I'm a believer that courage is the key to transformational change in every area of our lives, our work, leadership, and our communities. This podcast is Choosing Courage, where we get curious about what it takes to live with guts and heart. Thanks for joining me in a special episode of Choosing Courage. Today's episode is a little different. So last spring, I had the privilege to sit down with Sarah Ioannidis, the music director of Symphony Tacoma, for a video interview to hear her story about how her passion for music has been the light throughout her career and has helped her navigate personal and professional challenges. I've known Sarah for several years now, and let me tell you, she is a phenomenal woman. She has an unwavering dedication to all areas of her life, her artistry, her leadership, her family, and I have such admiration for her resilience through challenges and how she manages to dance that intricate dance of motherhood of being both present and prioritizing your kids while also pursuing your own passions and your own identity. She's truly an inspiration. This episode is a collection of excerpts from my video interview with Sarah. You can find the full interview on the Symphony Tacoma YouTube channel. Now let's dive in. Can you walk me through your story of where you wanted to be, where you are today, and how you got here? Sure, I'd be happy to share that with you. Um, I think when I started uh, wanting to be a conductor, I was about 16, 17, and um, I'd invested already a huge amount of time in learning three instruments, actually more, four or five by that point. And um, I discovered that music was just an amazing and a very, very powerful uh, influence on, on me and my world. And actually later I recognized and learned that my family's history goes back to the middle of the 18th century as conductors, composers, and violinists. So I think it's, it wasn't just a sort of self-discovery, it's kind of a recognition that um, the genes were strong in, in, in the music side of things. It was the thing I was best at. It was the thing where I spent most of my time um, between, you know, say the age of 10 and 16, 17, when I wasn't in school. Um, I was doing some kind of practicing music. I was checking out things from the library, discovering this world of everything from Tchaikovsky. To, and, and there were a lot of fun things that, that I did that made it a very social activity, playing in youth symphonies, singing choirs, going down to the church, bell ringing, you know, all sorts of things that made, um, I suppose, my, my life come alive in a different way um, with like-minded kids who also had a passion for it. So it was a great place to delve into a lot of different music. And, and then, you know, the light bulb went off for me is, is that I was really interested in conducting. 
my father was conductor and he was living abroad and my mother also had done music flute piano to some degree and um so for me uh i started to connect with another profession that i was interested in that was psychology hmm. and those two things came together with a light bulb going actually conducting is something that i can really see fitting me so what was it about conducting that was the light for you um the music <laughs> the the i mean for me of course behind music is is that connection with something with somebody with with the world and and the ability for um the passion to come out the expression to come out music is just an amazing language which takes you to places that you can't do in language that that you can share things that you can't do even on paper or in pictures it, it it's just something that i know has this it's got to be physical for me i mean mm. I, i feel like it's not just the sound there's some physical impact of the sound that affects people i mean there's intensity of playing music and and all of that but this sentiment that i felt when i was playing in in an orchestra there was with some conductors there was this kind of awareness and this connection that suddenly um when things are electric and bzz, there's this buzz for example that suddenly just everything starts connecting and whether it's with, within the orchestra or whether and i know that that can go into the audience and you can feel it sometimes when suddenly everybody is just like on the same page it's extraordinary it's, it's synergy. this trans yeah. energy yeah yeah and a transcendental type of experience that that you just know something just happened and you can't put it into words but you know and you felt it so if the goal was to be a music director what was the dream communicating music and sharing my maybe my passion my my the depth of music that i wanted to share that with as many people as possible mm-hmm. was the path to that easily marked no well <laughs> yeah it's a, that's a tricky one yeah. conducting is um i i think everybody carves their own path but i really had to carve my own path i mean there were some women conductors but there weren't that many um and yeah uh i just searched for great teachers i searched for people i felt that um had something very special to offer um and i was very fortunate to go to some incredible schools and and my my teachers were just really the ones that um brought the light on the score and and how to go about doing that um i i look back to before i started studying conducting and i was conducting you know i was i was conducting my first performance at 18 with a symphony orchestra was brahms 1 you know and i'm doing teaching that piece many many years later but i've had so many different perspectives and experience of of conducting the piece now um that i look at it through a very different light on account of those um those experiences and teachers mm-hmm. yeah what were some of the things that might not have been easily marked or things that came up that you weren't expecting a lot of lot of challenges i'd say i mean everything from just the sheer amount you have to learn to learn the repertoire the scores 
um, the physical aspects of conducting, uh, which is less than, of course, learning the music. And so training to be a conductor, that, that was um, a lot, a lot of work. Um, but then when you get through and you've got to take auditions and, you know, there's lots and lots of conductors and there's only one position and you know I went through many many auditions and many times I didn't make it and you know you just have to be ready to accept those failures and just well not consider them as failures but consider them as as opportunities and experience to to learn more you know competitions things like that um so something I always find so interesting with people who are job interviewing and it sounds like auditioning would be very much the same as job interviewing is having a scarcity mindset versus an abundance mindset. And with the scarcity mindset, it's there's only a limited amount of positions. And if you only get one shot yeah. at trying that, how do you maintain an abundancy mindset mm -hmm. during such a time when there really aren't a lot of opportunities, especially I imagine for a female conductor? Well, it's, it's a good question. I, from my perspective, um, I took so many opportunities that were not paid or I would just go to places and observe and and I was doing this I spent all my time was 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 going to seeking for opportunities trying things out being in the right place sitting in opera house going to observe and eventually you know you you build up um some connections connections and relationships and you hear then about something that you wouldn't have heard about otherwise um so you, you seek, uh, and I think when you are bold and you have a strong commitment to that dream, you, you find the, the way, you find the path. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there, there might be times where doors just don't open. I mean, I remember approaching managers. I just had my uh, a great success with um, all of the national papers in the UK coming to see a US premiere of, of The Woodlanders that I conducted when I was very... Uh, just starting out my career and wow it was amazing we had such a great success uh, Stephen Paulos's The Woodlanders was a great opera and great reviews and you know I took them around to all the managers I thought well look you know not a chance you know we don't represent any women conductors or really? or you know really you know a very sort of smiling and or you know yes yes dear so there's a little bit of um, old school with those those mm -hmm. particular managers it's fortunately that has changed a lot but um you know there were applications where i was the chosen candidate um and then i got a phone call a few months later saying you know what the such and such a person thought that it wasn't appropriate to hire a woman conductor in the 50th anniversary of this organization so Sorry, not wow. working out. I mean, just, just things that, you know, you just have to keep, um, if you are determined to do something, you have to say, well, that wasn't for me then. That job wasn't for me. It was for somebody else. And, uh, and you just keep, keep going. I mean, and you keep learning about yourself and you keep looking and, and looking at your tape and looking at yourself and say, what well, now what can I do differently? What, what would be better? Um, and, you cannot put it down to gender because nobody wants to say they didn't take me because I was a, or, a woman. Yeah, or they only took me because I was a woman. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. And you have to just believe in what you do. You have to believe in your passion. You have to, you know, it's like a little light inside you and the wind is blowing in all directions. 
but that little one won't go out and you just kind of keep um, um, looking for uh, the fuel to to let it let it burn brightly because there have been many times where I thought you know what I'm done with this really yeah I mean what, even... what are some of those times for you <laughs> let's see well um, after doing 10 12 years of, of, of studying um, I left Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra where I had my first big position and I thought uh, because I wasn't sure if it was right for me to continue um, and it, yeah it wasn't even that I was actually um, afraid of the positions and the opportunities there was just something um, I, I think I felt like I was not doing something for music in the world it, mm -hmm. it, you know it feels so much about oneself when you're trying to do something and in a way it gets kind of far from the mission of music for me and I wanted to go and study music therapy hmm. and I packed up my bags I went back to England I said I'm going to start and, and I realized that I was going to have to train for another two or three years and yeah yeah and while I was kind of working this all out and thinking you know it's just I'm not sure if it's the right thing for me the phone rang and I got an audition and all sorts of things started to happen so sometimes when you're just looking in a different direction and you have maybe set up waves and motions in a certain direction they start the synergy starts to happen um, and then you can say oh well maybe that was what I should be yeah, doing <laughs> like everything's happening under the surface it's bubbling underneath yeah and then it comes up and I hadn't made too many and there were also some really hard personal things going on in my life at that time my brother passed away I was just questioning everything and you know when when those opportunities suddenly started to come it was just the right time and it was it was just enough that I they were auditions at that point. They mm -hmm. materialized into music director positions, two in one year. So, you know, I was very lucky, very fortunate, and I'm in the right place at the right time, though I, I wasn't anticipating that at the time. What was it like to be in that place of doubt and having those family struggles? Oh, it's, it's, it's hard. You know, you, you, you know, when you just keep looking for or listening to those who've supported you and those who've been in the sidelines cheering you on or, you know, family members, friends. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just have to look inside and say, you know, well, what's, what's, I'm not ready to make a decision. Let's just pause. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe the hill was a bit too steep. Maybe the anxiety of the profession. You know, being a conductor is a very... Um, extrovert <laughs> yeah there's a big spotlight yeah <laughs> I don't think I'm a very extrovert person but my passion for the music and for the career and and what music can do is is very um is ferocious you know passion for for that and, and I have a, quite a lot of ambition uh, <laughs> and determination but yeah. you know when that goes goes away you can feel a bit lost so I'd say I was feeling pretty lost yeah you worked through all of that, and then you said you got these two music yep. director positions? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and married, actually. And yeah. married at the same <laughs> time, yeah. We call these life quakes, where these are big transitions that yep. happen, and it seems that everything is happening all at once. Some of it 
some of it awful and some of it really positive, but it's a transition that everybody goes through at different periods of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes when, when you're in that uh, quake, as Mm -hmm. you call it, Mm -hmm. and you have hope, you just have to sometimes just let, you know, a friend said to me once, you are in the right place right now. Even if you feel absolutely awful, that's the place you need to be. Mm. Sometimes you need to be in that rough spot. You know, whether, you know, I can equate that with uh, doing really badly in a, or, or making a mistake. You know, sometimes you just got to be in that place in order to get to the next place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's almost how you ride that out and how you don't give up. Mm-hmm. Because it takes courage to not give up. And, you know, sometimes it's much easier to think of all the reasons why not to do something. Absolutely. But all you need is one reason that's big enough why to do it and it outweighs all of the rest (laughs) is that a voice in your head or is that a feeling in your gut i think it's um it's it's all encompassing um sometimes we forget about it but but then sometimes something happens that just where where you reconnect with Mm -hmm. that so it's easy you get lost but you, you find it if it's if it's all pervasive in you in your character in your heart in your passion in your you know, in your genes, maybe <laughs> it, it pervades through. It's not the only time when um, there have been crises for me, um, but it's, it's amazing to remember when you got through one crisis that, that courage starts to build Absolutely. forward. Absolutely. I always and, think of it as capacity. Yep. So you start off with a, a you know, finite amount of capacity, and then as you struggle and as you grow, the capacity for what you can carry and what you can hold expands and expands. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. What were some of those other crises that you mentioned? Well, um, so shortly after I won these two positions, um, I actually had children and I was juggling two music director positions and um, guest conducting in Europe and abroad. Then I found out I was pregnant with twins. Um, yeah. But Actually, something a little bit more challenging was I also found out that I'd been having Lyme disease for the last year, and it was beginning to cause a physical issue in my knee. And I didn't know at the time what was causing me these these pains, but um, my knee started to swell up, like kept swelling. And I thought, oh, I'm just pregnant with twins. This is just one yeah, of those yeah. things that my my whew, emotions, you yes, know. Yeah. Uh, and I was still working, and and. Um, you know, I hardly missed a concert throughout this whole period, but um, something wasn't right. And eventually, after enough digging and talking to doctors, it turns out I have this Lyme disease in my knee. You know, conducting is a very physical thing. It's and a, It's a sport. I was yeah. having trouble walking. I was having trouble sleeping. I was having trouble going up and down stairs. So even like that one step onto the podium where I was like, I had to... F- you know, it's like I needed almost yeah. a crutch to get onto the podium. And then stand for two hours in a performance and your wave arms, your arms around. Yeah. <laughs> it's very yeah. physical. And so, you know, I I did everything I could to give myself support. So I, I had, you know, for the twins, I had a, a massive back support, um, this, this elastic thing that would just strap everything in. And then I had all of these knee supports and these uh, anything that would help me stay up. Um, and I just endured uh, uh, 
the, the amazing thing that music makes you overcome all of your physical obstacles, you know, in your performance and um, your conducting and everything, all of that. Yeah, I, I didn't think about it on the time, but afterwards, uh, shots in my knees, icing it. I remember being um, asked to do an engagement at like one week's notice and everybody said, you're mad, you're crazy, don't do it because you've got Lyme disease, you're carrying twins, you are six months pregnant, you are, this is a program, you have conducted some of it before. And so there were all these reasons not to do it. And I said, no, I'm sorry, I'm going to go do it. And <laughs> on the plane, I had these ice things and, uh, you know, it was just, it went quite well. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget Brahms 4 with the Chattanooga Symphony. <laughs> and I got, it was a really nice review. Nobody yeah. mentioned that I was pregnant no, in the review or... Oh. And so it was really nice to do engagements where people had absolutely no idea what I was going through. You know, mm. the, the, even when I went to Germany and, you know, they couldn't, I wore something that kind of masked it. And, you know, you look at conductors from the back, so you couldn't necessarily see mm -hmm. that I was pregnant with twins. And, but there was, there was a lot to overcome. And then, you know, of course, when, when we got through that and, you know, I had surgery and I cleaned yeah. it out, I had to get back to good health and... Yeah. It took a lot of time. It, it, it really took um, years, actually. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I, I stepped back from one of my music director positions and I put things, some things on pause just to regain my mental, emotional strength and, and to take care of the kids and yeah. look for what was the next opportunity. And the next opportunity was uh, Symphony Tacoma. Mm -hmm. And it, it was just wonderful. So was there ever a time where you thought, I'm done, I'm giving up? <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Quite often, you know, sometimes you shouldn't listen to people. I mean, some somebody said, "You having twins? Career's over." And I was like, "Hang on. I just got started." Yeah. I mean, not just got started having kids, but I just got started with my career at that point. And I'd been studying for 12 years and I really thought, you know, I have to find a way because even though it's hard, um I really want to do this I don't want to have gone through all of that and just say you know what I'm done but I had to find a way to manage to live in different places to travel with kids to find the support and um, I guess we, we found a way yeah how was that what was the way <laughs> it's definitely a support system I mean you you have to um, you have to be ready to pay the price uh, I mean lack of sleep um, not enough time to study, you know, taking risks or um, um, feeling like you're a terrible parent, you know, <laughs> um, but just do, do whatever you can to, um, to work through it and know that it's only temporary, that feeling of, of great uh, insurmountable challenge or, or insurmountable uh, lack of confidence or whatever it is, but it, it passes. You just have to keep connecting back to the wins, the successes, mm -hmm. and and the belief inside that what you're doing is the the thing you need to be doing. Mm -hmm. Where did you find that confidence? I don't think it comes from me. I think it comes from the performance experience, that experience of of seeing synergy happen and audiences synergize with the music. So I suppose it's driven by the power of music. Have you ever had a bomb? <laughs> well, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think as an artist, one is always having bombs mm -hmm. and they might not be noticed by anybody else, mm -hmm. but 
you know, you know, if if one makes a, a mistake in one's mind, or you know, you you think for a moment it's it's this and then it's that, you know, things happen in the brain the whole time. I think we just have to be. Um, I don't think I've ever had any disaster, fortunately, oh, thankfully. <laughs> uh, I do so much precautionary <laughs> preparation to try to avoid bombs, <laughs> go big ones, but yeah. you know they happen. You know, mistakes happen all the time. And um, the great thing about music is we're not risking anybody's life doing this. I mean, you, we put ourselves on the line the whole time when we perform as artists. We're, we're subject to criticism. We're, we're subject to, you know, this should have been done like this, that. You know, you, you, that goes with a package, you know. It's just part of the package. Um, but I think we have to take risks and we have to explore the human nature, the passion, the, that's what makes it why we go to performances, to experience something live, to experience somebody putting themselves out there on a line and also knowing, you know, that, that um, we're not doing surgery here and we, we can, if, if we make a mistake, it's okay. It's better that we actually put our heart and soul into something and, you know, something, something happens in the, for a moment, you know, okay, you know, but then... The show must go on. The show goes on. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and so many times, too, as the artist, you have, you know what's supposed to happen. But as the audience member, you see it as the big picture. You see the whole. That's right. Mm -hmm. And that's a scary thing about, you know, the artistry thing is, is, you know, there are no guarantees. You never know whether somebody's going to like what you did. Mm -hmm. You have to just go ahead and do it. Same with composers. You know, you, you write a piece of music and you, you sometimes you have to do it despite what people think. You have to be true to your, your pathway and courageous. Mm -hmm. And so I think of my colleagues and artists as, as really, really courageous that they, they do something that they might be really fearful of. Um, it's not easy to jump out of a plane and, and do something scary. Uh, some people are fearless and others, you know, they're nervous every single time they go to perform and they know that something might go wrong. They know something might happen, but they do it anyway. Those are the heroes. <laughs> how do you how do you become that? How do you do that in your own life? Oh, um, well, you you driven to do it. You know, it's it's um, it's like a mission. I, I don't know how to put it in words, <laughs> actually. You can break it down, of course. I mean, if something is big and scary and overwhelming, uh, one of the things I've learned is I do much better in small chunks. So if I just take it step by step, piece by piece, and um, see the whole picture where it is, it's like the dreams that you, you try to realize it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it's like running a marathon. You, you, you can't train for it in a week. And I think I'm thinking of that amazing quote. Um, is it John Parker or something? It's, it's about running, actually, which has become a recent passion of mine. You know, to the only way to unleash the ferocity of your ambition is over days, over weeks. And if you will allow it, over years, <laughs> you just have to be uh, patient, take things bit by bit, and um, don't lose sight of um, your passion and your ambitions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, we we talk in the coaching world. We talk a lot about who do you, what do you have to do, but also who do you have to be. 
So what we talk about, what do you have to do to be courageous in your artistry? But who do you have to be to be courageous in your artistry? Well, uh, I think you have to, you have to be yourself. Mm. Everybody's unique and individual and you have to know yourself and explore and be inspired by other people. So I think where you feel there's synergy with other artists, with other uh, types of ways of thinking or, or whatever, you, I think one gets to know oneself through others. So yeah, listening to other people, observing how do you feel about it um, and responding to, to that. Um, it's, it, it's this toss and turn between internal and and it's external again that you have to watch that bring it in but then you have to see okay what does that mean to me do i like that does it feel right and find your own way so at 17 the dream was to be a conductor driven by your passion for music has the dream changed in some ways uh, it's developed that was one of the dreams from for my life um, and at that time all my focus went in that direction for the next many years. But somewhere along the way, I, I decided I, I did want to have a family. And so my part of my dream became having a family. Now, then the challenge was to do both things um, in an un unorthodox way. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like I was saying, you know, living in three different cities and bringing kids from different schools, yeah. sometimes for one week or two weeks or it was complicated. Um, so I didn't really know what that dream was going to look like or how to go about doing it because as far as I know, nobody else had yeah. been doing that. There's no rule book. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure many um, busy women, business people have found ways to do that. Uh, but I, w I was really, to me, it was really important that I take my kids with me as much mm -hmm. as possible. I wanted to be there with them and help them develop. But the artistic dreams continue to develop and I think the synergy between my being a woman conductor and also experiencing certain challenges in life, you know, the getting over the Lyme disease, the, the struggling against managers who one woman conductor, that's already too many <laughs> for them. Yeah. But, but, yeah, the life is so rich and colorful. Um, and I found that for me, I was also passionate about the other arts, you know, whether it would be dance, things don't happen in a vacuum, you know. And so being a conductor is really all about the synergy with what's already existing or what's out there, you know. Um, it's a little different than being a composer where everything sort of comes from the inside. So I was interested in developing the relationships and the partnerships, and most of all, build on the passions of the community of wherever I was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like the dream has developed into a life purpose, where the dream is something that's for you, and the life purpose is what you give to others. Mm -hmm. I like that. And in that vein, it's been really important for me, and also I think for the future, uh, to, to give back what I know, what I've learned. And um, we founded Cascade Conducting. Now I think we're in our, is it fourth or fifth year? Goodness. 
teaching, conducting, um, teaching about uh, the mentality, of course, or learning the scores, but also the technical aspects, but also cascade composing. Hmm. Um, and bringing conductors and composers together. Um, it's been a wonderful new development for, for our community and holding free concerts and free online sessions now as well. And, and in particular that we support and provide scholarships for both a women conductor, Native American scholarship, African American scholarship and Latino scholarships um, as well. So making sure we have opportunities available for anybody and everybody is really important to me. One of the things that I admire so much in you is you've got this graceful resilience that has been built over time with these challenges you've overcome and the passion you have for your music. What is one of the things that keeps you going? And what is the source of that graceful resilience? Well, thank you. That's extremely generous. <laughs> I believe that we just have to um, look to the light. Um, we have to seize the day and we have to um, not look, look at other shadows, but, but keep the torch burning. And um, one thing that inspires me every day is other people and their, um, their stories and their wisdom and overcoming incredible challenges. So I have to remind myself every day to, um, to follow that route and, and help provide that for other people. And how has courage liberated you in this? I think every time uh, we overcome our fears, um, we are able to gain strength, courage and confidence to take the next step. Uh, and just knowing that sometimes you have to take a few steps back before you can take the next big step. So um, I think courage frees us and courage comes from being a passionate about something. So um, really wanting something. So I would say, let's just keep following that passion and allowing that passion to grow, change, develop. I think that's also important. Isn't Sarah just amazing? I love how she has this beautiful, gracious presence with this fierce tenacity for her passion for music and commitment to her family. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing your wisdom with us. If you'd like to listen to the full interview, go to the Symphony Tacoma YouTube page or visit symphonytacoma.org. You can also learn more about Sarah at her website, sarahianidismusic.com. Thank you for listening. This is Katie Toot, and I'm Choosing Courage. <laughs>